0: Welcome everyone to another episode of Elemental Awakening. I'm Gio and today I have a very special guest, uh, Kyle Kingsbury. Kyle, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me, Gio.
0: Yeah, of course. Uh, Kyle is a very interesting guy. Um, Came across my path when I heard um, I was getting into high dose psilocybin and someone had mentioned you have to check out this guy, Kyle, he just did a a very high dose psilocybin which was something that uh, I've been looking towards. On top of that, he's an MMA fighter. I was fighting in the UFC um he does amazing work in some men's group and coaching groups and just all around really interesting guys i'm excited about this this conversation could go a few different ways um but you guys stay tuned It's gonna be an awesome awesome conversation so i guess kyle for those who don't know who you are um give me a little background who's kyle kingsbury and how did you get into like podcasting what you're doing today sharing about all the things that you share
1: I will, I will try to nugget this into bullet points as fast as possible. so the no <laughs> Juicy shit and rather than the background, but uh, let's see, I, you know, played football since I was 10, finished at Arizona state, went through a pretty deep uh, period of depression and um, a lot of pharmaceuticals and Western medicine fighting, you know, found MMA as a way to give me purpose and, and, you know, team camaraderie and didn't know that it would last long, but it ended up, you know, taking me to the UFC where I fought for six years and along the way, I had a, a boxing coach of a Native American and Mayan descent who would take me out for traditional sweat lodges and then eventually working with plant medicines with respect and reverence. And that just cracked me wide open, you know. And uh, since then, um, thanks, to the, thanks to some of those trips, I've just really followed my passion, you know, and not worried about what I was going to be when I grew up and how I was going to earn money. And. And in doing so just continue to follow my intuition and follow my nose to the things that I love, the things that are of interest to me, which was a lot about optimization when I was fighting and then longevity and now much more on the mental, emotional, and spiritual side. And, um, you know, I, I consider myself a lifelong learner. I'm a student before I'm a teacher always. And, um, that's led me to some cool spots, you know, got on Rogan's a couple of times. He, he put the pressure to have me uh, start a podcast and um, podcast over the years has really taken, you know, taken some big leaps, you know, made it to on it, worked there for three years. Aubrey Marcus is my dear brother, one of my best friends. I work with him in Fit for Service, as you mentioned. And, um, you know, we're, we're coaching people on all levels, physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. And, and that, as a coach, um, really continues to light the fire for me to want to grow and learn, aside from all the other reasons to want to grow and learn, right? So, I mean, Absolutely. there's, there's, uh, there's uh, no... Yeah, there, there's so many driving factors in the world. Um, <laughs> just look around you, right? But I mean, even Absolutely. internally, you know, there's plenty of good reasons to want to learn and grow and, and uh, continue that process. And that's, that's really what I, you know, what I'm doing. I'm, I'm, I'm reading a lot, I'm practicing, I'm jumping into medicine experiences, and I'm playing in the, you know, the upper regions or the further pushes, you know, to, to really see, uh, to really explore for myself. Um, I guess what, what the deep water looks like and then taking you know, those extractions and diluting them and, and you know, processing and sending it back out to the, to the people, really just a, a way of sharing my experience with the world and not prescriptive at all, as, as I'm sure we'll mention when we talk relationship, not prescriptive at all for other people. And certainly with high dose medicine, not prescriptive. Um, no one size fits all approach to anything in life, but I think there is value in seeing people really get to those outer edges and, and what's possible
0: awesome so um yeah let's talk a bit about about the higher dose stuff because i, I want to dive right into that there's a lot of areas i want to ask you questions about your your journey with um i think it was 30 grams of penis envy and i and for those listening i highly recommend not to start anywhere in those ranges and i'm sure you might attest to that um how does one get into those kind of like, what pushes you said? You seem like an extreme guy. Can anyone that's into like MMA at that level, uh, pushing yourself, how did that sort of transition happen, I guess, from the initial sort of introduction to like plant medicine, to getting to that type of exploration? You, you want to tell me a bit about that journey and, and what that, how that changed your life or impacted yeah. you? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I mean, first, let me start, uh, you know, as you said, you know, caveat, disclaimer, all that shit. Uh, the guy I learned it from, Kalindi Ie, who I, you, I think you've podcasted with him, correct?
0: I haven't podcasted He's, with him. When I found out about him this year, um, I just like when you were when I was hearing you talk about like hearing about him and wanting to get him on the show. Did you end up talking to him? No, he he passed away passed, before I yeah, got him on. Same thing. And and a um, uh, guy that I've sort of connected with, uh, James Gesso, um, who you'd probably want to get on his podcast uh, at Mind Adventures Through the Mind. He had a podcast that someone sent to me, and then it, as soon as I heard him speak. Like it mirrored yours. At first, I was like, I don't know about this guy. And then you just hear he's got some presents. I was like, okay, now I'm curious. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. Let me, uh, let me dive into that. Yeah, That's yeah. Like a,
1: we're like a Tarantino movie. We're starting with the end first and then working our way back. Yeah. Um, my, you know, I had had a couple of, of uh, experimental young trips on alcohol and no reverence, no respect, no intention, no sacred container, none of that. Wouldn't even call them ceremonies, just experiences. Then when I started working with my coach, he wasn't a guy that beat around the bush. You know, like there's, there's even among sweat lodges, there's warrior sweats and there's, you know, public sweats for, for everyday white people, I guess you'd say. And, boy sweats. Um, and, you know, like we, we would, we would get in there and, and go hard, you know, and, and he, he pushed me not only in the gym, but he pushed my mind. He stretched me in, in, in many ways. And I mean, just to put it plainly, my wife's first experience, who's 115 pounds we split an ounce of golden teacher in the sweat lodge and um you know it was a phenomenal experience full moon on the reservation um few things compared to those early journeys you know but um i've and and to be clear i've experienced I've microdose for months at a time you know every fourth day fatiman protocol i've done a lot of playing on the low end as well as the high end too and i find value in all of it but mm-hmm. um when i had first heard about penis envy mushrooms you know, being two, maybe three X, any of of your basic organically grown mushrooms, I was like, wow, all right, I'm in. And um, I didn't know really where to start. I'd had, you know, five, seven, 10, 14 gram journeys with your standard mushrooms. And they were all incredible. Um, Some challenging experiences, but nothing nothing that took me to like ayahuasca level. And the first time we had penis envy, um, you know, we were like, let's, why why play small? Let's see what the five gram journey is with Penis Envy. And it was like a DMT ride for a few hours. It was, uh, it was incredibly deep and beautiful and highly visual. And I was like, wow, that's awesome. We've got that there. And then, you know, over time working with that at that dose, um, there was so much familiarity. It didn't feel, there was never a point where I felt like, Holy shit, I got to buckle up, you know? And, and, for a lot of people, it's totally fine to stay at that range. But for me, it's not even, it's not even necessarily chasing novelty. It's just the fact that I, I get the most downloads when I can't steer the ship. I get the most benefit when there's almost a forced hand of surrender. And ayahuasca does that amazingly. Um, for me in particular, the higher dose psilocybin does that without question. Like If I find myself in a spot where all I can do is lay back and breathe, or do some, you know, if I'm real tight and tense, like I'll, I'll hit a little yoga and then lay back down or sit up. But that, that's pretty much the territory I like to play in. And I had gone up to seven grams of penis envy and, and it was phenomenal. And then, you know, some time had passed and um, I was working with ayahuasca again. And I asked, you know, ayahuasca, as, as you know, it, it might sound weird, but I'm sure your listeners have experienced this. You can speak to these plant medicines like you're talking to someone, like you're talking to a being. And you might hear a voice back or you might just have the knowing within, but it's, it's, it's a form of consciousness that's highly intelligent and it is aware, it is aware of you, it knows you're there, it knows it's working within you and you can receive information that way. And so I had asked Ayahuasca, it's gonna be a while before I make it back to the Amazon, how can I continue to work in this space? And it showed me this golden mushroom with like a pure wow. black background sprout up. And I was like, oh, dope. I is green lighting me to work with, with psilocybin. <laughs> And I said, what doses? And it showed me seven, 10, and then 14. So it was showing me that I incrementally jump. And again, this is personal. This is not a one size fits all. Don't go seven, 10, 14 with penis in. <laughs> um, wait and see what, what your downloads are. But for me, that's what it was. And, and the issue, the reason I never took that trajectory was because every time we had the opportunity to drop in, um, you know, there was no one really at the helm. And I don't consider myself a black belt in medicine. I'm not a, a curandero or a medicine man by any means. Uh Not yet, at least. And, you know, but at the same time, I have enough equivalency to be a, a good sitter. And so in those experiences, I would never push the envelope because I was always the person who had the most experience. And so um that, that led me to never really climbing the ladder, as Ayahuasca had mentioned. And then over time there was a member from fit for service who was getting ready to do her first five gram journey. And she, you know, sent me a YouTube video and she's like, you ever heard of this 20 to 30 grams. And my immediate response was this guy's a fucking quack. No one does that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know? right. And um, I watched the video, you know, like something in me kind of intuited, like, no, I need to watch this. And just like you said, you know, the first five minutes I'm watching Kalindi speak and I'm like, Oh, this dude's more grounded than, Half the people I meet in an ayahuasca circle, you know, and he has a wealth of knowledge, and he has decades of doing this. It's not like he just dipped his feet in. It's not like me telling you about the thirty gram experience. Like he actually has a lot of experience doing it, and he's still very well spoken and very well put together. And he really had a, um, you know, lifelong martial artist, but a beautiful knowledge on the history of plant medicines in Africa. And I found that fascinating. One of the key things that he was saying is that. Ayahuasca and aboga, they're they're incredible medicines, but they all have rate limiting factors, right? Too much aboga can kill you. Too much ayahuasca you can purge and shit your brains out for days on end and, and need an IV, right? Like you can go too far with those medicines. But that doesn't seem to be the case with psilocybin. And, you know, he goes much deeper into that. He talks about the birth of the whole Marvel universe from from the guys in the 70s, you know, doing high-dose psilocybin and uh, acid in, in uh in an apartment in New York city. And that burst like the infinity wars and uh, Avengers and the whole Marvel, universe—like really cool, fascinating stuff. And anybody who's seen, anybody who's seen Dr. Strange, you're like, these guys were for sure dropping in. There is no question. And then of course, you know, you get the nod from Stan Lee in that movie where he's reading the doors of perception and his cameo laughing, right? And it's like, to those who know, you're immediately confirmed, right?
0: Yeah, you can see it, pick up on that
1: stuff. After that, um, you know, I had had purchased Penis Envy and had microdosed with it, but didn't have the same results as microdosing previously. I actually did it in a fight with Jason Ellis, and uh, I didn't have the same flow, and I was like, this can't be Penis Envy, and so I decided, oh, if it's not Penis Envy, I can do the 30 grams of that, because if it was Penis Envy, I probably wouldn't have done it, you know, and I ended up doing the 30 grams, and I had fasted the whole day, ground them up, and uh, it was three and a half hours of the deepest experience I've ever had in my life by far. I mean, there was mm. halfway through, it felt like I had taken a fresh hit of five MEO and held it as long as I could. Like literally like nothing else. Um, by far the most challenging experience I've ever had like a personal hell for eternity. And you know, time, time makes no sense there. So, I mean, I spent eternity in hell and uh, still one of the most, probably the most valuable experience I've ever had. And um, I didn't really understand it was penis envy until I backtracked on another journey with 10 grams and I was like this is for sure penis envy and of course that was an incredible beautiful ride that likely would have put me in the standard 20 to 30 grams that Kalindi's talking about in in, in his videos on, you know on the, the 10 grams on the 10 grams of penis envy that's probably yeah. 20 to 30 of of the the mushrooms you know he's into so um yeah, that, that's, that's pretty much where I get into there and, and we can dive deeper into that experience. Yeah, yeah, no, behind I,
0: that. Yeah, I love that. I love that. It's, uh, it's a beautiful sort of uh, progression, I guess, quite a, kind of quick, more like an exponential. Um, but when I had one of my deeper experiences, I had this vision of um, a hunter-gatherer being really hungry and finding a patch of penis envy. And, I was, and it was showing me like, how much do you think someone who's really hungry that stumbles across this would eat? they probably eat enough to fill themselves up. And then it's like, boom, instant, like consciousness expansion. Imagine like the surprise where it's like, I'm dead. Like I died. And then you mm-hmm. just like in hell and you come back and so okay, maybe that's the way these were meant to be consumed. You know, like no one in the natural world, unless you know, and you figure it out eventually, because you know, you through trial and error, you're going to start realizing, okay, there's something here in a tradition over hundreds of thousands of years um, gets formed. Um, But what are your thoughts on that? Do you think it's like pedal to the metal, like dive right in? Like now we have knowledge, but those who have gone there, like you said, the most impactful experience of your life. And, you know, one of my teachers once told me, you know, nature rewards courage. And I think that's what also Terrence McKenna also said something similar. Um, When you have the courage to go into the darkness and you face whatever fear or scary shit comes up and you can break through it or get to the bottom of it, the other end is like, you know, this beautiful, like, nirvana or whatever you want to call it it's just like the come through is amazing so what are your thoughts on that and 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 seeking that darkness to find the light or challenging yourself to that point because all the things you mentioned half half an ounce in a sauna that sounds like super intense but are you like the masochist version or you know like going for the breakthrough and finding like what's on the other side you yeah, what, what do you have well, to say it's, around it's, those guys
1: it's 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 definitely you know for me it's not a I mean, there's, there's, there's people who want to punish themselves in every walk of life, you know, every walk of life, you know, even looking into like ultra endurance runners and things like that. And that's not universal across the board. I'm not trying to shit on a a particular type of people, but there generally is something in them that makes them want to push a little further. And sometimes that's pain for me. That's, that's, that's definitely not the case now that might've been the case when I was fighting, but, um, you know. It, it truly is just like, I know what lies on the end or on the other end of that. And it's, it's pure bliss and beauty. And it's funny because I had written all these things down for my intention and spoken them and drummed in and done a lot of practices that I've been taught over the years to create resonance and to really speak that into the word, like to call it from the astral and bring it into reality. And, um, uh, the final thing on there was rebirth and, You know, I just finished reading the DMT dialogues, which I'm sure a lot of your listeners have read. It's it's fantastic. One of the biggest takeaways that I got in that book, because it's all about DMT entities, is when you come up against darkness or, you know, the devil himself or any of these aspects of God, it is just that. It is an aspect of God. And when we move past duality, we're looking at a part of the whole. And it doesn't mean there's not darkness or dark energy in the world. It just means that is a part of this greater awareness that is love. And in that it's there to teach you something. So, you know, and of course in DMT, when you say no, you have that option. Usually, you know, like Graham Hancock mentions, you get snapped back to reality and you're like, damn it, I should have said yes. You know, because now there's no more fear you can return to your body. You're like, Oh man, I, w- I lost out on all that potential information and knowledge and wisdom. And so having just finished that, you know, when I got in my 30 gram experience, it was pure love. It was divine love. It was, you know, a thousand, a thousand pills of MDMA. I mean, it was just pure bliss. Every cell of my body vibrating like five MEO, like incredible. And I went through my entire family with love and reverence. I saw my son's soul rather than as this, you know, typical kid who has all these needs and wants and desires and pushes against me at every turn. I got to see him as my, as my teacher. And not just as on paper, but to really feel that like this mm-hmm. kid is here to teach me mm-hmm. and his soul for all I know, has had many more lifetimes than mine. And he is my teacher, he's my guru, you know, and, and to really held him with reverence, all beautiful. Um, and, you know, I have this, um, this mandala and, and and Kalindi talks about it It was on my on uh, on the wall of the place that I was at, and it started spinning out towards me. And Kalindi talks about these two dimensional places that exist in 3d reality and everything in the multiverse is holographic. So you can access that through you because as above, so below everything mm-hmm. is within you, right? Like, like a uh, said, you're not a drop in the ocean. You're the entire ocean in a drop. Mm-hmm. So if it is fractal and it does work that way, all these access points are here and we're basically using hydro psilocybin as a tool to go anywhere. But as this thing spun out at me, it started to warm up my body and I looked and it separated the entire room and in the room, I'm looking at beings with w- eyes wide open. You know, like I've never come across entities on DMT. Now, I, eyes are open. I'm rubbing them and they're there in the room. And they're, they're there for me. You know, I'm like, are you guys cool? Or is this not good? I mean, what's going on? And again, this is way out there. This is probably one of the most out there trips I've ever had. But, you know, they touch me and I feel like this ball of love and energy moved through my body wherever they touched. And I was like, all right, cool. These guys got my back. Because uh, it was a solo journey. I was a little nervous about that. But as this... Um, this wormhole opens, I'm watching it, and it's like the outer edge of a glass of water. You can see it separate itself from the rest of the room. And I'm looking down on my chest, there's a circle sitting on my chest, and in it is pitch black. And I'm like, oh, this is the darkness. Do, can I go there? Of course I can't, but do I? Do I want to go there into the darkness? And having just read that book, the answer was unequivocally. Yes. Yes. Like, okay, okay, let's do it. You know? And I didn't remember saying yes. I didn't remember willfully going and maybe I would have gone there no matter what. But um, that to me coming out of that experience is always something that highlights the experience because it was my free will that chose let's head in there. And Mm -hmm. when I speak of hell, I mean, it's not your generic hell. I don't think (laughs) hell is ever, ever a generic hell. There's no guy dancing around with a hot poker. You know, it's not, It's not little Nikki where they're shoving pineapples in Hitler's ass. Like it has nothing to do with that. It's highly personal. And every layer went through super conscious fears that I had, like things that I know. And I would admit, you know, before we had this child, my wife and I experienced a miscarriage. And so the first layer of hell was me witnessing her miscarry and blaming me for it. Mm -hmm. And, and it just went on repeat on a repeated loop. I would drink 30 grams. I would go on, I would start talking to people, uh, I could, I could communicate telepathically with all my health and wellness people that I've learned through over the years and just like, yeah, the babies are doing good, but and uh, everything's set. And then, oh, um, I think there's a problem, we need help, you know, and then it and then some time would go by, and then you know, red lights would flash, and eh, and eh, eh, and I'd be like, like trying to get a hold of everyone, like, we got to go to the ER, and I run downstairs and see her, and then boom, she just explodes. And it's viscerally, it's I mean, disgusting and graphic, and I relived that infinitely until I caught the loop and finally actually surrendered to it. And it unpacked so many of these things, these fears that were operating within me all the way to very subtle things that I don't think about on a day to day. Like if we're in a machine and this is, um, uh, what's the word here? Um, if it's simulation theory and simulation theory, minus a God minus an omniscient presence, um, and that every experience I've had with psychedelics confirming that presence is complete bullshit. And that was written into the code and me taking 30 grams, cracked the code. And now we're stuck on this infinite loop. Shit like that, you know, like stuff that I'm not even aware of. But like, yeah, if there's no God, that's, that'd be a pretty fuck scenario for me, to put it plainly. Um, mm-hmm. And I could admit that. I don't want to believe in a world with God. I can say that very, very, very plainly, because I feel like I've, I have experienced that directly. Um, but even if I hadn't, I would not want to believe in a world that just, you know, you go black when it ends. Um, mm-hmm. So maybe that does direct my experience. Maybe not, doesn't matter to me, but that, that was shown to me as, of, as an actual fear. And um, all the way to the microdosing of hell where I heard, you know, a refrigerator buzzing by my ear and all these sounds that I'm kind of like, oh, that's, I don't like to fucking hear that, you know? And I turned away from it and a flashlight was shining in my eyes. And it was like every little thing that bothers me Shown on repeat as like this is where I'm in resistance. So you know, as I came out of that, it was it was like the ultimate report card. This is what I'm holding. These are the things that I'm carrying that are not in my purview. They're not at the forefront of my mind. It's not like I'm walking around here holding my fingers crossed, like please let's keep this baby, please let's keep this. It's none of that. But all in the background, that noise is still lingering, and no experience has ever snuffed that out of me. No experience has ever brought that out of me. And you know, when it when it wore off, it was like. Midnight. I just come back like, holy shit. Uh, and I'm in, you know, I'm alive. All right, let's let's figure this out. And I still felt dead. I took a cold shower, didn't feel anything, ended up looking at a photo of my son on the phone. And it was like, Oh, there you are. And then I remembered the whole first half of this, or first quarter, whatever it was, of that experience, which was divine love. And that reset me. And then I looked back on my intentions, and I saw rebirth. And it was hmm. like, <laughs> the ultimate ultimate rebirth what do I want to do now
0: yeah it's pretty wild how sometimes you can't piece together what it means until you look at your intention and then it all completely makes sense like um and then it's like oh this is exactly what I asked for and how does like asking for this communicate with this plant and then create an experience like that that totally blows my mind um so when you're in these loops, that's a very similar experience to mine. When I did the high dose, I did about eight grams, penis and eight grams of golden teachers combined. Um, just to try to push myself to the limit. And I had a hard time remembering when I came back the specifics of the experience, but there were some loops that were sort of undeniably loopy that I broke free from in the moment I had these great ahas, but coming back, I was just like, that makes no, like I can't remember exactly what was going on. So specifically speaking towards the loops, like what do you think the intention of it is? And did you notice like something that happened when you would break free of it? Was it like a realization? Was it like, hey, I'm gonna accept that it's a possibility that there is darkness when I die and there's nothing there and when I'm okay with that, then like the loop's okay, we've we've gone like what what can you put any words to it? I know this might be challenging too.
1: Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, my my takeaway from from the loops is that you don't get past. I mean, that was the last conscious thought that I had in the first set of first stage of hell. There was five five stages that I can recall, and I wrote them down. Um, it, it was that you don't get out of here without true surrender. And immediately, I'm like, I surrender. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for taking this much. I won't do it again. Like all the the begging and the pleading, and then I and I truly surrender. And it's like, no, nah, dude gonna keep witnessing this you're gonna keep living it and experiencing it and it's not like i was watching a movie i mean like it's a visceral feel i could feel blood splatter on my face like it's it's the virtual reality will never compete with that like it was that real and maybe, maybe um, this
0: is the original virtual reality where like yeah, we created just, this technology that you know it's, a, it's such an interface it, it blows my mind from well, like a plan.
1: We, we can talk about synergy as well. Like Dennis McKenna says, like, this is not a mistake that these, these tools are here. It's not, a, it's not by happenstance. It's not by chance of evolution. It's by design, in my opinion. Um, but with all that, you know, the, the loop, uh, I was talking to Duncan Trussell and I was telling him this, this story. And he, he goes, oh yeah, that's like Dante's Inferno. And uh-huh. uh, I was like, I've, I've never read it. And he goes, abandon all hope ye who enter here. That was his recommendation for hell. You have to abandon all hope to get through it. That is the complete, true, utter surrender, Mm -hmm. right? Like when you, when you're like, fine, I'm fucking stuck here forever. Cool. And you actually are cool with it. And it's not just, you know, lip service. That's when I'd move to the next stage. And so there wasn't a takeaway in the moment of, Oh, okay. You know, if we don't have another child, we have bear. That's great. Like all that came long after it. Um, it was just, let's, let's start the next loop. And I'd realize like, oh, cool, I'm in a new place. And, and complete forgetting of the place that I'm in is not a fun place. It's like, oh, thank God we're in a new place. And that new place sucked just as bad. It was just as hard to live through um, on a different way, on a different level. And you know, I think that major takeaway through all of those uh, in writing them down and unpacking them is again, like what is, what is operating within me all the time that's affecting the way I behave, it's affecting the way I communicate, it's affecting the decisions that I make. What, what am I carrying? What baggage is, is, is on my person at all times? That was all there. And I, and I know that as a person, as a human being, especially living in times like this, we just collect more. I collect more, I've collected more. And I think um, it's not an experience I wanna do regularly, certainly not, but you know, once a year, twice a year solstice something like that equinox there's there's an opportunity there for me to really clear myself by doing the work and i can do the work in the ceremony and have to do the work post ceremony you know i have to ground that experience and really make it matter but i mean it's the fact that i appreciate work in the ceremony just as much as i do as integration and actually putting you know my, my feet to the ground afterward
0: yeah. And I think that's the, one of the biggest things that I like to preach is that, you know, the, your life is a ceremony and the psychedelics are a tool as part of your ceremony to, to point you back at yourself. And some people look at the psychedelics as the answer and they keep going back time and time and they come back to their everyday life and they just already have their next ceremony planned because without that ceremony, they can't escape what the, what the real work is in life. Um, and it's just like, use that. And you have to make the changes. You have to use the insights, the teachings, the fears, because I think it's just bringing up these deep subconscious programs and it's showing you in a way that's most impactful to you. And like, you know, a lot of us that have kids, what's the most effective way to teach a child? You know, one of them is showing them compassion and love and leading by example. The other one is through fear, you know? And unfortunately, many of us only got shown the fear side of it, like fearing our parents, fearing getting in trouble and so that made some certain programs where we learn the most by fear you know but then after we also learn from the other side of the 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 coin is the psychedelic show you that love and compassion once you've gone through it which i think we didn't i didn't get as much uh in my childhood um because my dad and my mom was very compassionate but they didn't know how to really be affectionate they never got that um But just to to change into a question, I guess, um, in those moments of fear, you know, you talked about entities and beings, like, although I have experienced them, I'm still kind of skeptical. Are those external from my sort of experience or is that something that the plant is making up in my mind to have an impact on me as like, is there another being there, you know? And then some people will put a lot of weight on that saying, oh, I have have an entity in me. So I take away my power because something entered me or something's drawing my energy. And so like, I don't like to buy into that. It's like, okay, now it's, it's like, you got to sort of step into your own power and be like unfuckwithable and just show your lines Say, okay, I'm not afraid of this entity. And I think, you know, I'm not sure what I believe, if there's an actual entity or if it's part of your mind that's sort of like robbing your own energy. Like anything you can speak on, on that sort of like.
1: Yeah. I mean, in terms of, in ter- I, th- I think I can split the conversation into, uh, you know, sub, sub, sub conversations. One, what you're addressing is, you know, can, uh, you know, is possession possible is, you know, the the, another entity entering into your space and your body and taking control over you possible. Um, That's, that's a whole different rabbit hole. I think the experience that I had was, you know, visitors, you know, and is that experience then created by the mind? I don't think for one second that any experience that I have on medicine is information coming from within, you know, like a Richard Dawkins tries to tell Graham Hancock, like, Oh, this is just all the chemistry changing and, you know what you experience on DMT is simply the brain's uh, reaction to the chemical. And of equivocally, you know, everybody that Rick Strassman studied and and anyone else would be like, no, this is there. I could never fucking imagine any of this. This is so far beyond anything I see in my waking consciousness that it is something else that exists in tandem with our perceivable world. And I've had enough experience to know that for myself. Um, Even that said, of all the DMT experiences, never experienced entities. I felt the presence of others, you know, years before our daughter came to us, I was in ayahuasca and I spoke to her. It was pitch black. And I, you know, I, I rolled down on my mat and I felt the presence of another soul and that soul said, I'm going to be your daughter and my name will be Wolf. And I started crying and she told me about what she wants to do when she's here. And, and it was so reassuring to know, because that was an intention I wanted to know, when and where and and what you know who is this next being that's going to come to us and be a part of our lives um could that have been made up 100 but there are there are plenty of other experiences that i've had where even on ayahuasca on a day trip you know at the reservation i could look out and see trees communicating with one another like what they taught what science is now proving and what guys like paul stamets are now proving that avatar is not make-believe that's the fucking world we live in like mm-hmm. The, the the whole fungal network is communicating like the internet. They are sharing carbon like a bank and sugar. And the trees do communicate through pheromones, through the treetops into the canopies, as well as through the ground. Like that's all known. And, you know, indigenous peoples knew this forever for many thousands of years. And we're just now saying, oh, hey, science just confirmed this big deal, publish it in nature, no one knows about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so as far as that knowing, you know, I stay open. I don't like to stay fixed on things. Certainly, um, you know, Kalindi could have had an influence on that because he described beings that I saw. He described, you know, like praying mantis like beings that were as big as me with eyeballs the size of softballs on both sides of their head. They were speaking and clicking noises like I couldn't understand a fucking word they were saying. And that's why I asked, like, are you guys here for me or not? And the thing is, you know, in the D&D dialogue is that you will run up against beings that don't give a shit that you're there. And you'll run up against beings that are like, "Yay, you're here. And you will run up against beings that are like, you're not allowed to be here you know, and, 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 and even bigs that'll fuck with you. Like Rovan talks about that, you know, and my wife had the same experience, you know, beings like, you know, sticking their tongue out at you. And it's like this weird devilish snake tongue and just trying to mess with you like you're a little kid. And, and, and in many ways we are little kids. If you think mm-hmm. of a hierarchy of consciousness and if, you know, uh, Hinduism and things like that are true and we're trying to ascend in consciousness and, and there are many realities to live within, this is just but one of them. Um, I don't think we're high up the totem pole. Mm -hmm. And if you look around us, I think that's the easiest confirmation of that. You know, if you look out in the world, I don't think that's a, (laughs) it's not a far stretch to make that assumption. Um, All that said, these guys did not feel like a figment of my imagination. And when they touched me, I could feel that well, wherever they would touch me, like, holy shit. And it was a palpable feeling. And again, I I don't have, even on 5MAO, if I leave my eyes wide open, they're not visions like that. Mm -hmm. you know like this it was they were crystal clear in the room with me so my belief on that is that they were there my understanding is that they were there um why i'm not sure probably because it was a solo journey but who knows maybe i'll experience them again the next time i go around and report back to you
0: interesting Um, yeah so i guess like i'm a strong believer in the power of our minds to manifest our reality and you know the placebo effect talks about, about this like do you think like the plant medicines are trying to give you this experience to create a sort of a response within the body and the mind to sort of create something whether it's positive or negative so if you believe that oh there's these entities working on me they're fixing me i don't know what they're doing but they say it's cool i'm fixing this fucking problem i have in my body and then you come out of it and then the mind is like i've been i believe i was fixed so then it heals you know do you think the the intelligent in plan is smart enough to trick you into believing that because that's the way But then on the flip side of that, let me just, let me just jump
1: in on that part real quick. So, so what's funny is that paradoxically, what you've just asked is, does the consciousness of this plant, right? Which they are conscious, like is this Mm -hmm. higher order of consciousness that's held in a plant or a mushroom? Is that creating a, a fictitious uh, storyline in my head so that my body will respond and heal itself in the way that it needs to. So in a way you're answering in the question right there Does something exist outside of us that is intelligent, right? Like, what is an alien? An alien is, is a to come all the way to planet Earth, you'd have to be pretty extraordinarily, at least technologically advanced, right? Um, and so is the being in the room a figment of my imagination, or is it this thing that is actually what I think it is? Is it some form of higher intelligence that is either there for me or doesn't care or there against me? Does that actually exist? Well, if it's being created. By the consciousness of this other entity, you would call the 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 um I would call the you know, like the and, and Rupert Sheldrake talks about this, the collective consciousness of humanity, right? Morphic mm-hmm. resonance. You mm-hmm. could say ayahuasca has a morphic resonance and the collective consciousness of ayahuasca. Whatever beings inhabit that, whatever consciousness inhabits that, and it might be easier to say a consciousness than beings. There is an awareness there though. And I think mm-hmm. people who understand that, who have done ayahuasca enough, understand the moment you sign up for a trip and start dieta to the amazon that medicine starts working mm-hmm. it's almost as if it knows you're coming to work with it it almost knows it's almost as if it knows you're starting dieta and starting to clear yourself and remove some of these other things and maybe that's just it too maybe it's the practice of you know removing shitty tv and and bad music and some of the inputs, you know, some of the foods that we eat and things like that, and actually getting clear that we start to perceive things differently and start to work on our attention ahead of time. In either regard, in many circumstances, it has started working ahead of time. And, and there are, you know, I think anybody who spends enough time there who's not just, uh, yeah, I did it one time and, and I understand it, you know, like a Dave Asprey or someone like that, I think um, you're going to have that download. You're going to have that known realization that this is. A form of consciousness that is different from me, but in the same likeness as me, and and I think what what indigenous cultures understood is true. It doesn't mean you need to worship everything as you know the the houseplant god that sits it's in true. my room or the, the the vine god that hangs downstairs. Like it, it doesn't need to be that. It can be that. There's nothing wrong with either way. But in animism, all things are animated with the same thing I am, whatever soul I have. Is in literally everything. It's in this table. There's a brilliant book, um, Stalking the Wild Pendulum by Ishtak Bentoff, that uh, Paul Cech refers to a lot. He has thousands of books. Also, <laughs> I don't know too many people, I don't know anyone who's been down the rabbit hole as many times as him, and also has the physical structure that he does. A lot of spiritual teachers forego the necessity of the body, and I'm sure we'll get into that. but. We are tuning forks, and um, that our tuning fork, however honed, however much resonance and alignment we create to the all consciousness, that's where we get the per, the perception. That's where we can receive the downloads in everyday waking consciousness, as well as within these experiences. And tech really dives into that, um, but he talks, you know, on a, he says the exact same thing through quantum physics. Like everything is conscious: electrons, atoms, all the way to the subatomic level, and out above everything holds consciousness and native Americans believe that aboriginal people believe that, you know, uh, everyone in the Amazon believes that it's not, it's not something that people stumble across, across continent, across generation who Mm -hmm. are living closer to the land and eating cleaner and living with purpose and also having access to altered states of awareness that keeps stumbling upon the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's been my experience, you know, Ayahuasca gifted me that knowledge. And so with that, if everything is consciousness at a certain level, um, I, don't, I don't see it as a figment of my imagination that I'm witnessing other beings on this planet. Uh, not, even, not even close.
0: Okay. Very well said. I resonate with what you just said. Um, so what do you think the role of our, the, the darker entities then? And if, you know, for all one, you know, are they just playing a role to help you or are they really malevolent dark beings that are trying to like take something from you um, and like, are you giving up something if you encounter them, or, or you know what I mean? Like, wh- what do you think yeah. that is? And have you any experiences firsthand in your journeys? Yeah, I
1: mean, I have the the I've experienced really challenging what some people would call bad trips. I mean, certainly the thirty gram experience would be. <laughs> I don't think a lot of people come back from that. You know, stuck in a Jamie wheel and. He's like, that's an initiation. Like, you either never do drugs again, or you jump out a window, or well, you decide, was, I'm cool, I'm going to do this again. Was the
0: first reaction never again? Because mine was like, coming out, I was okay, like, hey, that one's good, I'm done. But as time yeah, goes on, yeah. the curiosity starts saying, like, hey, <laughs> I,
1: I didn't, I didn't sleep for one minute that night. You know, like I said, it ended at midnight. I stayed awake, um, just writing and thinking about it, and you know was never, it was never again for the first four hours coming out of it. And then somewhere around 4am before the sun came up, I was like, yeah, I'm going to run that back at some point. And because I had a greater awareness and appreciation for it. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I wouldn't do it solo. I'd want, you know, a high level person there guiding, not just a sitter, but a ground, a true grounding chord. you know, someone who's not playing an iPod like I was, but somebody who can direct the experience like an Mm -hmm. Icaro. And we can talk about why those again are more than just a song, um well that's my but, next but, question you know, we'll
0: jump jump into that yeah
1: okay but but I, I guess the point is that um uh these darker experiences dark entities why are they here why i mean we are in a land of duality and we cannot like, say we come from god and god is all love you wouldn't know anything it's it's like um i forget the guy's name but he did the uh this or this is water familiar with that I'm totally blank on his name right now. It's a, it's a, it's a college commencement speech, David Foster Wallace. It's incredible. Watch the YouTube. Um, Beautiful soul. Um, Took his own life later on. But what he's talking about in that is if you're a fish, there's two fish swimming along and they pass, um, they pass another fish and the the fish that passes them says, says really nice water today. Right guys. And uh, one of them's like, yeah. And then they keep swimming along past him. And then the other fish says to the, to the fish that are going in tandem what what is water like you're in the water you have no idea mm-hmm. that it exists right so if we're in the sea of love or all consciousness all everything as unity as one there's no way to know self there's no way to know decision without background and again each tack and stalking the wild pendulum i highly recommend it for people especially if, you, if whether you've gone down the rabbit hole with psychedelics or not it is very illuminating and he doesn't get everything right. You know, he doesn't get psychedelics, right. He wrote this in the seventies long before ayahuasca came on the scene in the Americas or in North America and, and, and Europe. Um, but he, everything else on consciousness is, is flawless. And you know, he's, he's really speaking to that. You can't know it without background. You can't mm-hmm. know it without contrast. That's the only way we experience, like the reason for duality is just that. And, what Jung talks about, anything that, we, that casts light must cast a shadow. And so we, you know, we talk shadow work and things like that from a psychological level. It makes sense that we have those things as a way to push back. We need resistance for growth. If I lift weights with just the bar and I do back squats every day, it doesn't matter if I get up to a thousand reps, eventually I stop growing, right? I have to add weight to the bar to continue to stress or I have to jump with the bar or pick a new exercise. There has to be some novelty there to change up the resistance, so that I will have to learn to grow from that. And any of this resistance, if I'm consciously resisting, that's a whole nother topic, but the resistance that we get from life, from the external world, the resistance that we get from within, that's all by design. That's all here for our awakening. That is here for our growth. And one of the deepest downloads I've ever had on a ketamine journey was why did God split us? Why did God create us? Why did God create a fractal universe? if there was this all knowing omnipresent, all loving, like why do it in the first place? And the mm-hmm. answer was to know thyself. And that's not for me to know that it's, that's equally for me to know myself as an individual fractal piece of God created in God's likeness, as well as God itself. God can only know itself through kind creating of one the all same, right? the different avenues of God. Right. Exactly. Like that is the only way for God to know God's self. Mm. And it's the same for us as well. So whether the goal is to tra- traverse back up the ladder to make it back to unity consciousness or not, I don't know. Um, but I, I, I do have a, a very strong knowing inside that that is what we're here to do. We're here to learn. We are here to grow. We are here to expand our consciousness. And that does take resistance. So I think that loosely might fit to why there is darkness in the first place
0: so then maybe saying like as you're traveling through the psychonaut sphere um these entities that you come across that are perceived as negative is that random occurrence or is there someone specifically that's going to reflect something back at you because you need that experience right now from that sort of teacher type being you know what i mean because like yeah i'm exploring that whole space where people's like oh this entity came and sapping my energy or like i've been screwed up ever since that because something possessed me So like, yeah, that's, that, that right there, the way you're wording those circumstances
1: to me is victim mentality. Yeah. You've already given away your power. If you're susceptible to somebody taking over you or, you know, punishing you or zapping you or doing whatever the case is, um, you know, making agreements, you think think that's like they're agreeing
0: to like, okay, I'm giving up my power. So there's sort of like a, but even
1: that, like just to, just to, to, to broaden that back out, if that's not what you're saying and you're still saying, I'm still coming across these things what is it there for? Is it random? Do I go so far into the, into the astral or into the, into the spiritual realms that, um, you know, any and all things are there and just so happened that, uh, this negative energy was around me and and it really fucked with my head. And now I've got to unpack that for the next three months or is, is, are there no random circumstances? Is, is everything synchronicity? Is it possible that, the anything that I encounter in life, waking consciousness or otherwise, is there for me to learn from, to grow from. That has been my experience. And I don't think, I mean, I, I, there is definitely, there are no mistakes. Like everything is mm-hmm. a learning. Um, talked about that in Kung Fu Panda. You know, like, uh, <laughs> there, there, there really are no, there are no accidents. And um, in, in the, those experiences, I would say that, that if you take the humble view of student and you ask, Like, what can you teach me? And and you might not get a great answer. You might still get pushback. You might get anything else and you might have to unpack it later, but at least coming with that level of respect for whatever you come across and understanding, like, this is not an accident. I'm here to learn from you. And looking at it that way from a humble viewpoint, you're going to find more answers than, man, this thing just came and took me over. Or I don't know what happened. That was totally random and weird. Like to actually unpack it from a student's mindset will help
0: yeah, it's interesting. I can't remember who said it, but someone was saying like, every time you kill your ego, it's like a muscle, it comes back stronger. (laughs) You know, it's like, it's like, yeah, now I'm going to do 50 grams of mushrooms or like, you know, I want to push even farther to that point of that sort of almost like the resistance where you had to find the deeper levels of resistance. Um, so I forgot my train of thought now. So in this dark experience. Yeah. So for me, for example, in the beginning when I was going deeper with ayahuasca and just pushing myself, there was a level of fear there. Um and that sort of uh dissipated over time. So now it's like I don't think any entity out there can touch me if I stand in its face and say, Hey, like, what what can you show me something? Like at first it can be startling when you see this like, you know, massive dark energy that you can't make sense of. Then it's like, wait a minute. Like you have no power over me. And that sort of dissipates. Um so yeah, so i just I've just been playing around with that and what that means and like where you think this takes place. Like, are these things happening all the time around you, and we can only see it when we dive into these, you know, deeper um, depths of different psychedelics, or is it just I'm now choosing to enter a space, and now I'm going into that. What are your thoughts around that specifically around uh, like the all things?
1: Generation? I all things are existing in, in simultaneity. Everything is happening at the same time at the speed of now, as Paul Czech says. Um, we know that's true. We know that's true for many reasons. And, and, you know, all we have to do is look at the spectrum of light and say, we can see everybody learns this in science class growing up. We can see a fraction of the rainbow, but that doesn't mean the rest of the rainbow doesn't exist, Mm -hmm. right? There's many spectrums of light that we can't see with our naked eye because we're tuned to this frequency. Graham Hancock talks about that. We, if we're a radio dial, we're tuned into one station that is the human frequency and the human experience in altered states, whether it's through breathwork, fasting you know the original vision quest the native americans would do with no food and water for four days um you know to plant medicine journeys or or psychedelics like lsd and ketamine we're changing that tune and our tuning fork is able to receive and perceive much more right and i don't think that you know it's like if a tree falls in the wood and no one hears it did it actually fall or did it make a sound fuck yeah it did just because a human wasn't there to see it like their birds heard it the ground felt it vibration still occurred, right? And one of the things each tech talks about is all vibration you could call sound. So, humans have I think 20 or 30 hertz to 20,000 or 30,000 hertz. He knows this better than me. So, again, forgive me for messing that up. They're gonna be like, it's 20, or, or it's 30 or <laughs> 30, 20. Um, we have a band of frequency that we can hear sound at, and we know other sound exists from whales to other many other animals on this planet alone. But if we know sound is vibration we could say all vibration is sound so if we give it that loose blanket and we look down into quantum physics at particles particles are particle and wave and they go back and forth and our consciousness can affect that Mm -hmm. it has an impact on that the observer right but once it's wave it is now vibration at the very most infinitesimal level it becomes sound and all the way up the ladder And so when we think of it that way, um, does all that sound exist at the same time, even though I can't hear it, even if I'm not there to perceive it, of course it does. I mean, that's, I don't think anybody's going to disagree with that. So do all of these planes of existence, the, the, the multiverse, the multidimensional nature of reality, does that all exist in tandem as our, as our own? Of course, unquestionably.
0: So someone, someone's partying right now in the celestial and we're just not, not there. We're, we're missing out right now. It's just going on. <laughs> and I guess the opposite is true for the darkness going on simultaneously everywhere. Um, yeah. I love that analogy. That That's, that's a really good one. Um, I got two more questions around the whole um, psychedelic stuff for now. Anyways, more will probably come up. Um, the role of the shaman. So um, and traditional mushroom, I guess, ceremonies, you know, I see them popping up, Uh, people are like leading them ayahuasca style. And, you know, for me, I don't know any direct people that have any lineage with mushrooms, even like 5MEO, stuff like that. Um, And I know you went on this most impactful journey of your life solo, right? And you said you would probably do it different next time. But, you know, do you think it would have been different if you had someone there with you to hold your hand on that 30 Drip, and how, how important is the shaman in this journey because I flip-flop on that all the time it's like you know do they play a role am I giving them power am I taking power away by saying hey I need this guy here rather than you know your example of a sitter just making sure I don't like jump through a window and allow me to sort of go and I think there's also something about having no one there and like just trusting yourself to say hey like 30 grams that's unexplored territory anything could happen and still going in and having the deepest experience, so anything you, you want to say around you know the yeah. role of the Sham, yeah, go for it <laughs>
1: this is this is an absolutely beautiful question and it 's one that I get a lot as well. I think when you 're starting out, you always want people and i mean for the for the record i hadn 't done solo work for many years, and had done you know I would never do ayahuasca solo. Let me first and foremost say that, and we can dive into why later, but in terms of you know, even when we're just working with psilocybin, those are all guided experiences for, for years before I started working with solo journeys. And Terrence McKenna said the solo heroic dose of five grams and up is a really special experience because you are by yourself because you're in darkness and you got to actually work through. it. There's no safety net. There's no grounding cord. It's you. And there's benefit and beauty in that experience. Um, There's benefit and beauty to the darkness. There's benefit and beauty to challenge or what some people call a bad trip. All of those things are important and valuable tools, but day trips are really phenomenal too, right? And generally less challenging if I can just go for a walk or do some breath work or, you know, look, fixate on a mountain or a flower. And, and that can also pull me and direct me. Right. Um, or maybe I just close my eyes with an eye mask and, and 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 actually allow whatever's going on that I that I want to avoid. Maybe I allow it to transpire and actually work through that in a different way. All of those are correct. Oh, there's there's no wrong way in in the the container of ceremony. There are plenty of wrong ways outside of that container, right? Uh, and what I mean by that is, you know, these things can be fun. You know, uh, Terence also said. Um, People asked him at the end of one of his lectures, is there a wrong way to do psychedelics? And he said, yeah, if you don't take enough. And everyone started laughing. He goes, I'm serious. Uh, you know, in, in, in the 60s, most people were out at, you know, 30,000 people at Golden Gate Park listening to Janis Joplin and Ginny Hendrix, And everyone's taking a mushroom cap and one hit of acid and having some wine and smoking a doobie. And they're never really experiencing that. It's dancing. It's touching. It's making out. And it's all the medicines at once at a very low level, uh, as opposed to you know, creating a sacred space, having an intention written, um, you know, some form of giving that prayer up, whether it's through song or speaking it or, or tobacco or any of these practices that we see with indigenous cultures to actually get that into reality here. Um, And then, and then, like I said, you know, really whether it's with other people or not, the noble silence, like paying attention to that. Like, I'm going to be in my space and you're going to be in your space and we could talk after, but we're not going to be sharing. It's not Bob Costas giving the play by play during my mm-hmm. ceremony. And I, even if I'm struggling and I need help from the the, the curandero or whoever's at the helm, I'm not going to have a back and forth with them for 30 minutes either. I will respectfully bullet point what my needs are. Like, Hey, this is really hard. I'm having trouble breathing. And then they work on that or this thing's coming up for me. How do I let it go? And then they work through the song to direct your experience. And so again, if everything is sound, if we play along with that, sound then takes a different role in what its potentials are and something, you know, they talked about uh, a very long time ago was the first, the way the universe was created was through the logos. It was God speaking the universe into existence. And if we think of that vibration was the first thing that emanated from the unmanifest. So we have the Tao, the unchanging, uh, think of it as limitless potential and there's no, no light, nothing in form. The second we enter the form, there is vibration. The second we enter form, there is sound. And once that comes through, that has certain frequencies. And we know this from singing bowls to many different things that can help us enter a state of deeper awareness and, and same thing with binaural beats and all these things affecting everything from a neuro neurochemistry standpoint that science can now back to some of the older things like chanting and Oming and things like that, that have been practiced for thousands of years as well. Those all carry a certain frequency. So when an Icarus is sung to you, it is someone through intention, their consciousness impacting your consciousness, directing you through a song that they learned many years ago from the plants, from another form of consciousness as a way to heal a specific issue that someone's working on. It's not a, a you know, oh, hey, here's a little ditty you haven't heard. Let me pull this one up. Like, it's like, no, 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 no. This is the one that you need right now. You need Remo Caspi. You need, you need something, something to come in and guide you through this and it works every freaking time. And it it directs your visionary experience. Like I've had some of the most incredible visions based on what song was being sung and when, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, I mean, just, just incredible. I mean, I don't know why that would open up a whole nother can of worms, like talking trip report on that. But my point is that these are, and even if it's not an Icaro and it's done in, in the container of ayahuasca, you know, some of my mushroom journeys have been with some of the best musicians on the planet and, you know, medicine men in their own right. And, you know, one of the, one of the guys in particular, you know, he could play any instrument, Native American flute, uh, buffalo drum, um, didgeridoo, you name it, and a ton of other ones, Brazilian guitars, things like a sitar, you play anything. And when he switched to the didgeridoo, like it's like the entire vibration changed Obviously the didgeridoo is a big vibration instrument, but Mm. I mean, it was like, it was jarring loose, anything that was not in resonance in my body. So I could lay there in peace, any stickiness or achiness, or I just don't feel loose yet. I feel like it's kind of, I'm stuck in certain places. You know, you talk about clearing chakras and things like that. And I'm not going to disagree with any of that, but I mean, I felt pure. I felt like, okay, after this one, I'm good. Anything we want to do now. Right. So, I mean, there, there are palpable experiences through that yeah, on any so medicine when sound
0: enters the equation. It's interesting. I, I totally agree with you. Like, I actually started singing because of ayahuasca. I played guitar my whole life. I couldn't sing, if, you know, if my life depended on it. Um, and then in a ceremony, th- through hearing this little guy from Colorado, I like, didn't even know he's going to be singing. He busts out this voice, blows me away. I'm like, I wish I could sing like that. And the medicine's like, well, have you ever sung about anything that actually meant something to you? Or are you just trying to like sing on the radio or try to be cool or whatever? And I was like, actually no. And then I was like, okay. So I got home, got some medicine songs, some songs that resonated and all of a sudden this voice came out of nowhere. Um, and I think, I think there's power in that <clears throat> for sure. And, and how it directs sort of the experience. But for some reason, like, like I'm very open to all this stuff, but there's still a part of my mind that's like the, the reality check. So trying to bring the skeptic in. So like, for example, <laughs> let's just say, you know, <laughs> one of your earlier ceremonies middle of the jungle you you go in and uh the shaman's like i'm gonna sing you some songs i'm gonna heal you these songs are gonna heal you so in your mind you're saying oh when he sings it's gonna heal me so you're framing that already and let's just say you go into a deep dark space and he comes over and says hey kyle you know fuck i lied i'm not really a shaman it's my first time i don't know what the fuck i'm doing i'm scared but i'm gonna try anyways do you think you're gonna have that same experience like i'm purged to <laughs> be like what the fuck is going on here no you know, of course like, you and, wouldn't of course but you even, wouldn't if, even if the truth was he was a master shaman but he just said okay let me let me just say this to him what do you think would happen like
1: well let me i mean i mean in in this example right <laughs> in the in the what if scenario if he was a true master shaman or a master curandero and he was just fucking with me the moment he broke into song to align me back to resonance it would be palpable you think so? And okay. I, I would know it. I would know it from the song. I would know it from it changing me, my chemistry. I would know it from the palpable feeling. It would reset me. And, and any of that, I'd be like, I might even start laughing. Like, you fucking tricked me. You're, you're, you're the dude. You're the dude, right? Like, you fucking had me there for a second. Like, I would know instantly. Um, and that is the thing. You know, you look, there's a lot of purple belts and brown belts out there serving medicine, blue belts and white belts serving medicine that say, Hey, I spent a year in the Amazon and, and, you know, I got the best, this and the best that, and you know, maybe they're playing from an iPod, maybe they're singing some songs, but maybe they don't have the same equivalency as somebody that's done it their entire life. Mm -hmm. And that's not, I've had beautiful experiences with white belts and blue belts. I'm not, it's not that beautiful solar journeys, but my, that's sort of my experience too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Is, is that you, you're going to understand on the medicine where they're at that's not gonna be hidden from you. And if you have any questions in your head, uh, if you, you know, I've had my skeptic hat on too. You know, I think, I think a great book for skeptics um, just on what, what this reality actually is, is called Walking with Bears. It's by Dr. Will Tegel. Um, he has a PhD in physics and a PhD in psychology. He went to Caltech, brilliant. Also has Native American ancestry and started working with the elders from a very early age, and he, he bridges the gap between modern science and ancestral wisdom in a way that I think is perfect for people to go. And then I've read a ton of different books from Native Americans. You know, I, I think um, Lame Deer, Seeker of Visions is a great book, uh, Black Elk Speaks, great book, but none of them speak to me the way this book does because he has not only the Western mind that he's up against, but he has the scientific mind that he's up against. And he's, you know, he's well studied psychologist who studied Jung, studied many of the greats that I still find a ton of value in. And yet he's met with some opposition from the elders and the way that they do things and in the way that they heal and in what actually is happening when we're on a vision quest, what actually is happening when we're in nature on medicine. And, um, again, I think, I think it's important to have, um, know, for many people, you're never going to fully eliminate that skeptic mind. It's there on purpose. It's a part of the personality trait that you took when you came into this form. And that's totally fine. Many people have an inner critic that is always on board, the inner judge that can be very strong in a lot of people. And that's okay too, as long as it's not the one driving the car, Mm -hmm. right? As long as it knows its place, it's a part of the whole, but it's not the whole thing. Yeah as long as that can still remain there but it's 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 and it's heard it has a voice and it's and it's heard but it's not the one that's steering the ship then those things are okay to inhabit it's always okay to be like
0: hmm my bullshit meter's going off i don't know if this guy's legit and it's it's the bullshit meter is more like towards myself in a way it's like you know once i started getting more familiar with ayahuasca and i get into the darkness then i would just focus my breathing relax and say okay like am i being dramatic now and just like Rolling in my pain. It's like, wait, I can stop this. And now I'm just going to focus my energy. So how much am I in control here? We're not even about control because I know the mind wants to be like, I want to be in control and let go. And it's like, okay, like roll the shaman. I respect it. I know they can guide stuff. Is it necessary? Is it not? You mentioned specifically ayahuasca. Was there a reason why you said not solo ayahuasca? Like, is there a difference between the energy of that medicine and and, and that? You know, and, and like so think, very like- open and I put a lot of, like, I love being guided and I feel the strength of that. It's like, how much am I giving it to them? Or is it just, am I believing that's what it is? But-
1: yeah. I mean, well, with, uh, I think with any of these things, and you could say the same for, you know, Kalindi's doses of psilocybin, when you're cracked that far wide open, um, I think it's important to have helpers. Let mm-hmm. me just put it that way. Okay. That could have to do with dark energy. It could have to do with anything. I think it's important to have helpers. Certainly when you reach the potential of purging, you need helpers. I don't do you know, DMT alone or anything like that. Not because I I can't, I mean, I'm I'm a Zen monk. Some people roll around and do flash and all that. Like I'm generally just laying there Mm -hmm. out of my body in an experience, but at the same time, people have been burned alive, you know, on DMT from, from hot coils and things like that, you know? So, you know, it's good to have a sitter in certain circumstances with ayahuasca in particular, you know, like you need more than one helper, you know, like every experience that I've done that is the best experiences, there's been You know, I went down to Sultara, which is a phenomenal place in Costa Rica. I think they're reopening here in September. Yeah, Dan Cleland. Phenomenal dude. Yeah, great guy. They bring in Shipibo Shaman in pairs. They rotate, you know, every trimester. So you get, you know, you can have different shaman and curanderos that you're going to work with. And, um, but they have at least six facilitators on hand and two of them are apprenticing medicine people who've been working mm-hmm. for at least a decade. I mean, they have every right to serve stateside and would be better than 99% of the people that are here serving stateside. Yet they're still apprenticing. They're still yes. trying to learn and get the black belt level. And they're there in the same room, able to translate to you, whatever the, the current is saying, and you have the actual people from Peru and you also have helpers that'll walk you to the bathroom. I mean, like the, it's, Top to bottom, full service. And when you're that vulnerable and you're that opened up and you can barely walk and you might shit yourself, probably a good idea to have somebody there on hand. Um, In terms of like me, I don't enter into that space saying this person's going to fix me. I don't enter into any medicine journey saying this medicine's going to fix me. Mm -hmm. It's not. I fix me or I don't fix me. And generally the fixing takes place when I say I don't need to be fixed. I'm not broken. <laughs>
0: exactly.
1: right? Like I, that, that, that's the first thing, right? I'm not, I'm not fucked up. I'm not broken, but I do want to optimize. I do want to get a little bit better at certain things. I do want to have less judgment, more compassion. I want to be a more loving father. I want to do it differently than my parents did it. I want mm. to take a deep breath and relax and not take on other people's energy as mine. And I don't mean that in uh, the dark energy sense. I mean that as my son just lost his mind and is going apeshit and that has the ability to raise me up to a level where I might be like my dad for a moment. Mm -hmm. Or can I take a deep breath and reset myself and enter into the space of centeredness and then say, hey, buddy, come here and hold him for a second and then talk to him softly Mm -hmm. and not yell. And from that, I am actually giving him a different way than I got. And in that, I get to bring him down. So yeah, it's not miss- a pissing contest mm-hmm. where I always win because I'm the dad, yep. right? Like that's not the way either. So, I mean, mm-hmm. very real world practical ways that we access that all through me taking responsibility and ownership over my state of being at all times in the I medicine think, and without. Yeah,
0: that's, that's probably the biggest takeaway is taking ownership responsibility for, you know, the way you sort of, be in this world and all aspects of yourself um okay last question around this so like a lot of people ask me this question you know like hey you've been on so many journeys haven't you healed yet what are you going for like why bigger and and deeper like what what is it is do you feel like you're seeking for something there's something unresolved curious exploration what is it for you Kyle? that keeps you pushing the envelope into these um psychedelic or plant medicine experiences
1: all right, so this is, the, this is an excellent question. My sister asked me this once because she's never done ion. She's my only sibling. you year younger than me. And she said that, aren't you healed yet? And I just started laughing. You know, Kalindi spoke at great length about this. The difference between the hydosilocybin journey and other healing medicines, because he doesn't call the hydrosilocybin journey a medicine, right? Like it's not, you're not broken. You're not trying to get fixed. You're not trying to get healed. This is for the people. The, and I should say that too. You should feel quite healed before you enter into high-dose psilocybin space. That's a good prerequisite to have. Um, if you've got some work and you know there's work, you know, play at the lower end of the spectrum and work your way up. Totally cool. And psilocybin is a healing medicine. You know, I mean, um, the first time my wife did five grams of uh, penis, in me, like that was a very healing journey, you know. Know, in many ways from her childhood and, and cannot be overstated. Like, beautiful, beautiful work there. Ayahuasca, very healing. Um, but when it comes to, you know, this, is there a need? And you know, Kalindi says that like at a certain point for the psychonaut, you might say I'm healed. I feel good, but I want a different perspective or there might be more to learn. Maybe I'm not a finished product right? And that, I mean, that statement in and of itself is the reason I keep reading at the rate that I read at. It's not a, 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 there's no gaping hole in my mind that says, I don't know enough. I need to know more. There's a curiosity. There's a wonder and excitement that is being directed internally. It's not my mind that says, this is something I want to explore now. It's something inside me that says, I'm ready for the next journey. Or it's something inside me that calls me to, you know, read a new book. And, with that that curiosity there is more to discover Mm -hmm. you know i will never be a finished product i don't know that i'll do high dose journeys my entire life into my 90s but (laughs) you look at some of these people who are who are much older than i am you know dennis mckenna has done hundreds of journeys with ayahuasca and he gets the same question and he says i'll stop doing it when i stop learning yeah i'll stop doing it when it stops teaching me right every time it's so unique and so impactful and so in its own experience that that can layer upon and and blend with some of the other experiences and share commonality, but it's its own deal. It's its own deal with its own birth of new ideas. And, and the thing is too, like, I don't look at these as experiences that, you know, we're always looking at linear time as a start and a finish point, right? Like, okay, I'll be happy when, or once I get the house, or once I get the promotion, or, yeah. you know, finally when my kids are in college, I'll be able to fucking take a deep breath and garden and do what I want to do in life. Like, All of these things have a cap point and then life changes past that. Psychedelics aren't that for me. You know, there's no, there's no, well, once I get this next ayahuasca journey, I'm I'm gonna feel pretty good about myself and I'll be good there. It's it's like a garden. It plants a seed that grows a tree that plants several more seeds and it plants them in all avenues, not just among like, "Oh, oh, here's, you know, 20 other journeys I'm gonna do. Like it might plant one of those seeds might be for a different journey, but the rest of them might be for a new practice. Like I'm going to start yoga or man, I really need to be diligent on this hot and cold because it's going to affect my immune system. It's going to affect my neurochemistry and all the other crazy shit that's going out in the world won't really matter as much. If I take care of myself, Mm -hmm. it could plant several other seeds on things that are completely out of my purview right now that I have no radar for like, dude, I never thought of this. That's a whole nother Avenue to explore. And you know, with that continual seed planting on that's ongoing from these in all directions, not just like Alex, there's always more. And, and that's the most fascinating thing to me about them is that it's not just giving me knowledge on whatever's in front of me, whatever I write down on a pen and pad, it's giving me well beyond that. You know, mm-hmm. there, there, there was a saying, you know, the, the first Cudenderos I worked with would say, you don't just, you know, it's it's like the Stone song, sometimes you don't get what you want, but you get what you need in the experience. That's mm-hmm. always been the case for me, but more often than not, I get what I need and I get a hell of a lot more on top of that, that I had never even thought about. And for me, that it's, it's the stuff that I'm not writing down. It's the stuff that's not in the forefront of my conscious mind. When I enter into those spaces that really surprises me and really makes me go, damn, there's, there's far more here than I could ever really think about. And that gives me reason to keep doing
0: it. Yeah, I get it. I get it. You know, it's like, you can read a book about love and a beautiful book and it makes so much sense and it actually touches you emotionally. But then ayahuasca or Plimus, it teaches you about love and you say, wow, I could have read that book a hundred times and never got the understanding that I was just shown about like what real like unconditional love really feels like and means. Um, and, and going back to your previous point about like the fixed point graduation to happiness, every time in my life when I thought once I get that something result is gonna happen, it, that's a lie. That's a lie we tell ourselves, I think. And sort of letting go of that and being more in the present moment and just being is like really where um, life is and has to be from and stop lying to yourself. Like, if I just have that, it's just being I'm not happy with who I am right now. And something outside of me is gonna like graduate me into this fulfillment or happiness. And I guess just, I guess, maybe ask one more question around your intention. And I get this question a lot too, is as you're in this space now of exploration and learning, like, do you have like, uh very specific intentions like, hey, i want to learn about love or is it like i'm here to be open and just learn like whatever i need to be taught do you direct that because you mentioned earlier how specific the rebirth yeah. was for you i i, I do
1: direct it not so i this actually flows into frequency too so let me not frequency like quantum physics or sound but frequency like uh how often um i don't think there's anything inherently wrong with any intention you have if the container is set right so meaning like if you're willing to hold noble silence and it's in your basement with a candle and some incense that's good enough mm-hmm. um if you i know plenty of people you know my, my good buddy tate fletcher he always laughs he's he laughs at intention you know we were speaking our intention in a journey we we're going to do and he just started laughing and he's like He's like, it's so ridiculous. You guys have these intentions because it's fucking never what I say it's going to be. It's never what I say <laughs> I want it to be. And, and that is completely true as well, right? So he just says, let's see what happens. And there's a lot of people who say like, you know, when they enter, I'm willing, you know, I'm willing to receive whatever is to come to me today. My buddy, Eric Godsey, who's also a coach in Fit for Services, uh, Jungian analyst, brilliant psychologist, brilliant, brilliant kid. You know, he's 28 years old. He's fucking amazing he has a mantra, um, heal what needs to be healed, love what needs to be loved and reveal what needs to be revealed. And that's, that's, that's his basic, other than what's alive inside him, that's his basic intention each time. And it's a beautiful intention for me. It's almost, it's 99% of the time. What's alive in me right now, you know, and it's, it's, it's okay to be like, life's perfect. I'm just going to see what's up. And then it's, oh, holy shit, shit's hitting the fan. Let me fix this. Let me see outside the box around all these problems that I have right now. Entering the space in either one of those avenues is amazing. They're great. they i have done both, right? They're, they're, they're absolutely mm-hmm. great. Um, but this just goes back into frequency or how often you do it, right? And I think... Um, Jamie Wheel and Stephen Kotler talked about that in Stealing Fire, you know, the hedonic calendar and things like that. And that's something I always used to laugh about. Like, I'm not going to plan quarterly, you know, both equinoxes and both solstices. I'm going to have the 30 gram doses and the ayahuasca journeys. And then, you know, uh, in between that, I'll microdose and this is my schedule. It's like, I I like to be more spontaneous than that. And I also like to really work on the things as they're coming up. So it doesn't mean I can go on a whim out to Costa Rica. Like that has to be planned but generally there's enough life stuff in the equation for me to say I'm ready and I'll plan that trip and I'll, I'll put it down. I'll buy the flights and I will start working. Mm. Um, outside of that, if it's a mushroom journey or a Wachuma, and I have a, you know, someone is, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to head to some place where it's going to be available. You know, I will start setting a t- intention for that. Um, there's been times where, you know, it's been once a month I did ayahuasca for six months. There's been times where I microdosed every fourth day for two months with LSD. There's, there's been times where I went without ayahuasca for three years and then circled back. You know, I mean, it's, it's ebb and flow. There is, um, an inc- I mean, I know I've talked about a lot of books here, but one of my favorite audibles is a series of lectures from Ram Dass. It's called Becoming Nobody, and it follows him around when he's in his 50s. And what's beautiful about this is he hasn't quite ascended to the Ramdas who, who died last year. You know, he, he still has ego. He still has to fight with the persona of Dick Alpert, you know, the, 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 the Harvard educator, you know, and, and he's so illuminating on this, but he talks about, I think it was, he was either, he, he was drunk or he was high on some medicine with Alan Watts and Alan Watts tells him, you know what your problem is, Dick? your problem is you've forgotten your humanity. You want to be high all the time. And he didn't just mean high on LSD or high on medicine. He meant high in meditation. Like he wanted to be up there in the outer reaches. He wanted unity. He wanted to be a part of the all. And he was looking down on what it meant to be human. Hmm. And I think that's what some people get into. That's part of the trick is, you know, you come out of an ayahuasca ceremony or you come out of a mushroom journey and you're fucking beaming and you have this glow and it's really easy when someone cuts you off to not get mad and flip them off. If you get fired, you're like, mm, there's some deeper thing here that, that's going to be good. I can't see it yet, but one door closes, another one opens. Well, it's e- easier to, to grasp that as the knee-jerk reaction to just be in center and say, okay, I'm cool. I'm, well, I'm mm-hmm. going to say yes to this. There's less resistance, more acceptance. Um, And then over time, we start to slide back in, right? We get back in the groove of daily habits. We get back in the groove of whatever's in front of us, the work schedule, the kids, the this, the that. And as we become more human, we recognize I've lost that part of me that was there with me right when I exited the ceremony. I need to do ceremony again. And some people will keep putting the importance of that ceremony as the healing fact that allows them to operate on high. Mm -hmm. This is what Ram Dass was talking about. This is what Ram also, this is what Alan Watts pointed out to Ram Dass, and this is what Ram Dass is really, when he gets in, of course, he wasn't working with ayahuasca. He wasn't working with some of these things that aren't, he certainly wasn't doing 30 grams of psilocybin. I'm not getting high when I have 30 grams of psilocybin. That is deep work. If mm-hmm. I'm puking in a bucket or shitting my pants, that's deep work on a yeah. physical level, as well as the mental, emotional level. That's not just, I'm going to get high with a bunch of people and and to live in that space. There's work there. So. Yeah. That's the caveat that's a differentiator between what Ram Dass was talking about. But we can find ourselves in a similar space where we're like, yeah, I'm 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 ready for more. I'm ready for more. I'm ready for more. And I think that the, the clear line there for me is how much time have I spent actually processing? How long have I actually and and have I actually, you know, say it's been three months since the journey. And by by you know, um, linear time, that seems long enough for my standards to go in again. But did I actually put rubber to road? Did I actually do what was necessary? You know, did I start to implement the things, the downloads, whatever I received in that experience and practice all of this stuff that I and bring you, it into physical reality? And Those do are you the have, questions you have to ask.
0: Do you have a process that works for you that you can share about what that integration might look like? Is it, is it just like sitting and reflecting? Is it like using some of these other modalities like hot and cold to maintain that vibration? Um, yeah. what, what, what works for you that you can share and like, you know, maybe some sort of little point form or, you know, like, however, however that comes across, like what, what, what works for you? Cause I think this is what most people lack. And also most providers don't have the tools. Like in an ayahuasca ceremony, go to the Amazon, they're been used to doing this for thousands of years in a community. So if someone's struggling, the community is there to sort of lift them up, give them insights and go talk to the, the shaman get some feedback you go from like New York city to the Amazon going back to that, like energy there probably can't talk to half the people, you know, like there's a huge fall off and then most people will end up right back where they were within a certain amount of time. Cause they haven't changed their environment externally or internally. So like, what would you suggest you think is a process that works for you or could be applied to others?
1: Yeah. There's there, there's, there's, it's, it's twofold. Number one, integration has to do with processing right? So I'm not, I'm not somebody who journals daily, but I always write down every, I write down the trip report and I review it. And, you know, initially I used to write every fucking detail, like, and then I was served the second cup and it was thick like syrup and uh, my stomach couldn't, and it's like, no, 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 no. So I get to bullet points, right? It doesn't need to be lengthy. It's not a novel. It's not a story that I'm trying to tell other people. It's for me. So what are the Mm -hmm. key takeaways? I write that down and I review that. And, and I can place it anywhere. I can place it in my room or my office. I can place it as, as a, as a, you know, like people do post-its to keep them on track. Like, Oh, that, yes. And it draws me back into that, especially because I'm writing it in the energy of that medicine. The medicine's still alive when I write it down. I'm not writing during the ceremony, but immediately after, I'm going to write that down. That's written holding the vibration of the field I was in when I was in the medicine. So Mm -hmm. as I tune into that, I'm tuning back into that state of awareness it doesn't it's not gonna make me trip but it's certainly gonna bring me back into that oh these are the key takeaways this yeah. this does matter right outside of that like how do we how do we align our tuning fork how do we create resonance and there's tons of books on this i mean i mentioned stalking the wild pendulum by ishtak bentoff huge um, walking with bears huge nature with a capital N is pure medicine there is no two ways about it and the more nature there is and I mean that in two ways. The more natural it is, like a an uninhabited fort or the Amazon itself, certainly going to be better than Central Park. But if Central Park is your biggest part of nature in New York City, Central Park is awesome. And you should be in that part of nature as often as possible.
0: Take your shoes off and touch the ground. and
1: Yeah. I mean, that the grounding, we can get into all that. Schumann Resonance, no doubt. There, there's frequency there. That's a real thing. That is true. Bodies of water. Also very important, Wallace G. Nichols wrote a book called Blue Mind. And one of the things he said in that is they they can look and verify scientifically, even just looking at a body of water, whether it be an ocean, lake, a river, or stream, even just seeing that starts to change our neurochemistry to where we feel more relaxed. Why is that? Evolutionarily, it turns out we needed water to survive. And if you see it, it's calming because you know there's life there. It even extends further. If you're in a place that has lots of green, lush plants, that too is calming. And there's multiple reasons for that. But one of them is you know water exists in order for there to be green things there.
0: And I think biologically, if you've been through a drought or have been had water, like I've done done a lot of dry fasting um, for extended periods of time. And I could see how like after a couple of days, you're just like, okay, like I need water. And if you've gone through that extended, maybe in your DNA, it's like, that just gives you a sense of calm and security. Like there's water nearby. I don't have to find it, you know, cause you might go on days without finding water, you know, like you don't even know where it is, But it is. It doesn't, it doesn't to your point though, it doesn't matter if it happened in your life or not. Yeah, it's in so your DNA, it's in it, your yeah, code, Yeah, right? yeah
1: it, has, it, has, it has nothing to do with if you've done a traditional vision quest or gone without water or any of that stuff. It has everything to do with what, what is inherently within us, what's yeah. in the collective And even outside of the DNA, even outside of epigenetics, what is in the human collective consciousness, what is in the animal collective consciousness. Nothing survives here without water, right? So that, that importance is there. Um, but But getting back to there's a daily practice okay. that's very, very – it's, it's, you know, this is where optimization comes in. This is where all my work as a fighter and afterwards and longevity really comes into practice. And, and some of the key takeaways, because, you know, anybody that's been coaching for long enough will constantly run into the same question or the same issue. The issue is always, I don't have enough time. Right. And if you have kids, you might experience that for yourself. Right. I got two kids. We have a newborn. I don't have a ton of time. I can't just go to the gym for an hour and come back and jump in the sauna for an hour and do all the shit that I want to do. I have responsibilities and I have a job and have all these other things. So what is the minimum effective dose taking from the four-hour body with Tim Ferriss? What is the minimum effective dose that I can receive benefit from each of these practices? And how can I pair them? Is there a pairing like fine wine and cheese that will allow me to extrapolate even more of the benefits and Mm -hmm. exponentially accelerate the gains or whatever I'm working towards? And the answer is there's a ton of them. If I can only... If I have an hour in the gym and there's a sauna there or like, you know, you, you you bear witness. We were supposed to be podcasting yesterday and my sauna got delivered. Um, I got a sauna in the, in the, that I'm building the garage and a small home gym next to it. If I work out and lift weights or do cardio and then do 15 minutes of sauna afterwards, it's, it's going to compound the benefit and it's not going to hurt what I did in the gym. It's going to compound it. And it's going to be like, I spent more time in the sauna, probably because I'm already creating heat shock proteins while I'm working out. Well, now I can get a workout and granted I'm retired. I'm retired from fighting. I'm not a professional athlete anymore. They're going to train differently. And this is I'm not speaking to that crowd, that, that small sliver of the population. I'm speaking to to most people. If you can do a small workout that gets blood pumping and get into a sauna for 15 minutes after you're going to have a ton of benefit from that. If you can get into an ice bath for one minute at 40 degrees, it's going to have a huge benefit there. And these aren't things like, look, I'm, fully aware the sauna is an investment um even even the ice bath the way that i have it is an investment it's an investment either way you know i used to have a, um, a horse trough it was 60 bucks every time i wanted to put ice with it in it and a pain in the ass to lug it over most people aren't going to do that and they're not going to do it frequently if you buy a chest freezer you can cock it and turn that into your ice freezer into a into an ice bath and you can keep it cold between 35 and 45 degrees every single day. And when it's there, it's convenient. So the other yeah. tool or tip is to make it convenient. Even if you just have a TRX or some, some, some wooden rings in your garage or a pull-up bar in between your door jam, if it's there, the odds are you're going to use it. And it's got to be something you enjoy too, right? So it can't just be a Nordic track or some shit. That's going to collect dust. Mm-hmm. It's got to be something you enjoy. If you enjoy it and it's in front of you, you're gonna do it. We have foam rollers upstairs and downstairs because when I see one, if I'm hanging out with my son reading a book, I'm gonna jump on the foam roller. I'm gonna do something for my body. So again, I've been speaking a lot about physical training and things like that, but you know, we know hot and cold does way more than affects fat loss, detoxing and stuff like that. It does way more for us. Um, Rhonda Patrick's beating the drum for years about lowering all-cause mortality and all the studies they've done on Finnish culture and Nordic countries. From a health standpoint, very few things can match that. Mm -hmm. Wim Hof has really exploded on the scene and, and not just with breath work, but with cold therapy in general. And there's tons of science there that changes neurochemistry that enhances the immune system and it can do it in a very, very short period of time. Lowering systemic inflammation. Awesome stuff. Let's table the hot and cold. Those are daily practices. What else is a daily practice? Breath work. Breath work in any form. I'm
0: a huge they, proponent they, of breath work. Actually, all, teach breath work. Yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah, they all they all work. That's the thing. No. I mean, I know you you have say opposite ends of the spectrum. Wim Hof, hyper, hyper oxygenation, where you're dumping CO two and raising the oxygen levels all the way to the oxygen advantage on the opposite end of that. CO two retention. I just Completely, interviewed
0: Patrick the other day. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's he's he's incredible, right? Incredible. Completely different breathing style. I mean, literally it's, it's they're, they're opposite. One is all the way in, halfway out on Wim Hof's side. And the other one is halfway in, all the way out, right? You're using the lower half, right? Both of those work. Both of those are necessary. And both of those do different things, but they all make you feel better. They all have the ability to change neurochemistry. And so we're, we have to look at what our inputs are. What is, there are. There are stressors that we will take on as a part of life that I can't get rid of. That's fine. I do have free will in how I, how I choose to address those. Mm-hmm. And the more centered I am, the more control I have over, over what I say yes and no to the more, the more control over I have, if I have acceptance or resistance, where am I on that line of polarity, right? Mm-hmm. The more I lean into acceptance, the better I'm going to feel. The more I lean into resistance, the, it's going to persist. I'm going to not feel great about those things that I'm constantly in my mind struggling about. And Ram Dass, fucking Buddha, they all dive into this very deeply and there's a lot of wisdom there. Um, mm-hmm. So I just think, you know, just having a handful of tools, whether it be breath work, hot, cold, um, any of these things, the beauty of breathwork is you can learn it. Once you learn it, it's free. You can access it anywhere on an airplane, wherever you're at, you have access to that. Um, movement is huge. Movement's absolutely huge. Paul Czech talks about this. The last four doctors you'll ever need. Doctor movement, any form of movement, walking, Tai Chi, lifting weights, running, anything that's moving. Um, doctor diet. What are you putting in your body? that actually really, really, really matters. It's a big one. Water, food, and all of the above. Um, Dr. Quiet, do you have a meditation practice? What's mm-hmm. your sleep habit? Do you have sleep hygiene? Are you in bed at the same time every night and up at the same time every day? Do you sleep cold? Do you have darkness? All of that stuff matters. And then Dr. Happiness, It's not your job, it's your vocation. What is it that tickles you inside that gets you up in the morning and is a fuck yes, this is what I wanna do right now and this is the way I'm gonna start inching my Mm -hmm. way way towards that dream of mine. How big is your dream? All of that stuff flows in and relationships will flow into Dr. Happiness as well. If you've got all your four doctors in check, it doesn't mean you're not gonna have life hit you with more stress. It just means you're gonna be better equipped to handle it. And I think those are the daily practices that I really follow that's amazing ceremony without
0: that's great tips there and I would say too like when you when you're in your routine and there's that question that comes up why am I doing this this is struggling or if you're working out and it's painful instead of you get it's just for me it's a little shift in mentality it's like oh I'm gonna enjoy this pain because it's making me stronger it's like I'm doing it for me in this loving way of loving myself through that experience whether it's the 17th minute or 20th minute in the sauna where it's just like Jesus, I, every inch of me, the door is right there. Nothing has stopped me from pushing. I was like, oh, I'm doing this for me. Not to just like beat myself up and this is going to make me stronger. And when I started doing that more, it became a lot easier. to starts of like, hey, like, let's do this together. And I'm just, like talking to myself or something. But uh, it's just that little shift in, in perception of like the experience. Um, I know we're running a bit beyond the the hour mark here. Um, I'm thinking like we can wrap it here um, there's so many questions I want to ask you, but I'm thinking maybe a couple months from now, down the road, we can hop again and we can dive into some of the other questions I had for you. Uh, how does that we'll feel? Run for you? For sure, yeah. Yeah, we'll run yeah. it back for sure, brother. Yeah, we'll run it back for sure because this could be another three-hour conversation easily. We just got through the first main question, um, so yeah. So I, I guess from here, first off, just like thank you for sharing all that so openly. You know, you have a really good way with words. Uh, the energy that that comes off is is very open, inviting. Like you said, I can really see that student-teacher sort of vibe you give, where you You share from a place of authentic sort of experience and knowledge. And you're also so open to continue to learn. And like, those are the type of people that I love associate myself with because I resonate with that myself as well. You know, like I admit, I know nothing in the greater scheme of things, but I'm so open to learning and sharing. And you know, I think that being in service um, helps me to grow. And I know there's a whole fit for service conversation I want to have, but we'll say that for another chat in the future. If you're cool with that. that Yeah, Of course brother. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. So I guess just to close here, you know, you mentioned a lot of books. Um, if there was one you had to recommend to people that was mind blowing to you, that just really stands out one or two, like what, what would it be? Like, that's really just like took you and said, Holy shit, like this, there's something here that changed my life. Is there any that stands out?
1: Yeah. I mean, there's <clears throat> a few I've mentioned. So if you, if you're wondering about the nature of consciousness, if you're wondering about, you know, frequencies, sound, those kind of things, how it impacts us, I think Stalking the Wild Pendulum by Ishtek bentoff is great. And again, for the psychonauts, what he's talking about with psychedelics is a bit dated, totally fine. He mentions that in the opening chapter, like this is a working model open to interpretation and open to contribution from others. Um, if you've ever been drawn to Native American wisdom, walking with bears, you know, and, and really what nature is, what consciousness, not taking my word for trees talking to each other and things like that, but actually wanting to, to, to hear it from somebody who's, you know, as accredited as it can be when it comes to, you know, the the Western model of education, uh, Walking with Bears with Dr. Will Tegel is one of the best books I've ever read. Um, if you are struggling with mindset or getting out of your head or life's problems, uh, the Audible, you know, with Ram Dass, Becoming Nobody is only five hours long. It's one that I've listened to and re-listened to many times. If you're wondering what you want to do with your life, um, probably my favorite book for that is... Uh, the Lion Tracker's Guide to Life by Boyd Vardy, B-O-Y-D V-A-R-T-Y. It's only three hours long on Audible. It's a very small book. It's like a book you'd keep on the uh, on the toilet top. It's super small. It is brilliant. It's packed full of wisdom. He's a true medicine man, um, you know, from the African bush in South Africa just incredible. And, and that's, you know, those are things I'm drawn to as well. Like, is there a book I can read where I can take a chapter in and gnaw on that for a month and then pick it back up. Mm. And it's like, Holy shit, there's more here. Um, or is it so, so small that I can finish it on an airplane flight, right? Like those, and, and that many gems in one tiny little piece of, of wisdom like that. Um, those are the ones that stick out to me. And then for health, how to eat, move and be healthy by Paul check or, the last four doctors you'll ever need, which is an ebook. You know, Paul, Paul is you know one of my favorite teachers, even just listening to his podcast, living 4D. 4D. Yeah, there's podcast. a handful of podcasts I go back to, and he his, his is one of them. He has brilliant, brilliant people on the show. Um, and he's so well-versed. It doesn't matter who he has on the show. He knows just as much as they do. You <laughs> yeah, know, like he, he really does. Like I, I don't he's know anyone like
0: him. Yeah. He's definitely from yeah. a different dimension. <laughs>
1: Some, some people have trouble, you know, he, he definitely uh, will qualify himself on podcasts and talk about the books that he has and things like that to verify his level of understanding. Just table that stuff, you know, draw from him what you can and there's so much to draw from and, and he's, he's a mentor of mine and, and one of my favorite people in the whole world. And there's a lot of medicine of what he's talking about. So again, if you enjoy podcasts, check out Living 4D. Check out mine, Kyle Kingsbury podcast.
0: I was about to say and, that. Yeah, uh, you got you to check out Kyle's podcast. It's great. You got Paul checks on there multiple times too, and it's a great more, conversation. More than, yeah. <laughs> like more than anyone else. Yeah. More than anyone else for sure. Oh, it's amazing. Okay, last question. We're gonna end with what are you excited about right now? Is there a personal project, something in your life that just really gets you up in the morning? That or something you're thinking My about doing? Ah, Easy. My daughter. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah, yes, he, that's right. New he's, dad.
1: Uh, She was born 4th of July on the full moon. Her name's Wolf. So no doubt that was going to happen. Um, she's, she's just incredible. And you know, what's cool too, is that any, like we talked about contrast, right? Any, anything that gives us a shade of difference really illuminates the other. And, uh, in having such a gentle, awesome little newborn girl, I really see the medicine of my son as well. You know, like not that I had forgotten about him, but, Mm -hmm. um, it's cool to see them and there's enough space between them that it's like looking into the future with her in some ways you know like oh this is a 5 year old and here's a newborn and I remember what he was like and I had almost forgotten. You know it's almost like nature purposely doesn't let you remember all the struggle of having a newborn so you'll do it again but mm. um, it's incredible. You know I absolutely that that is the thing I'm thrilled with that is my focus is my family for at least the next year. And then I'll continue to push and, and work on growth and maybe a book and all that other fun stuff. But in terms of my own personal branding and things like that, I'm really, I'm really doing—I um, don't want to say the minimum—but I'm, I'm just getting by when it comes to that and enjoying and learning still and really focusing on my family. And that's been that's been a beautiful thing to do, especially having quarantine and all this other stuff happen in the world. Is just to really set my feet firmly in the ground here and and enjoy the experience of being a dad and being a husband. Amazing,
0: amazing. Thank you so much. Again, uh, where can people find you? So your podcast, you have a website, you have uh, social media handles. Where, where's the, the best web, place? The, web, the, web, the website shit. I'll, tell,
1: I'll figure that out in a year. So don't bother there. Um, it's living with the Kingsbury's at living with the Kingsbury's on Instagram. It's my wife and I's joint account. Um, you know, she posts a lot, I post a little, but either way, we get back to people there. And um, really, it's the podcast. That's where you're going to hear the thing I'm most up to date about. I'm not too big on social media for, for many reasons, um, which I dive into on a later podcast, but it is, you know, there are pros and cons to anything in life. And I certainly see that now. And that's why we have the joint account. It's a very fast way to communicate with people, but uh, the podcast is where I'm putting, you know, you'll find where, what it is that I'm tracking based on the person I have on. And, you know, every now and then I drop a solo cast where I really dive into everything I've been up to and the things that are, that are alive, most inside me that I feel most important to talk about. And, that's where you can take a deeper dive with me. Uh, amazing. Amazing. Yeah. My
0: wife actually follows you guys on Instagram. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm interviewing this guy, Kyle Kingsbury, check like, this same guy. Like, yeah. You follow him. It's like such a weird coincidence. <laughs> like awesome. So check them out, check out the podcast hundred percent and send Kyle some love, likes, follows, supports, shares. Um, thank you, brother. And uh, I already got a list of questions for the next one. Whenever that happens, we'll line it up, but we won't plan too far in advance. We we'll just go with the flow and uh, looking forward to that as well.
1: Thank you, everyone.
0: Yeah, Thank you for tuning in, guys. All the likes and support, shares, follows. Appreciate you guys. Love you, and we'll see you soon. Peace.